Hey there, it's Mike Tramp, and you're listening to White Lion Fever, where rock and roll is still alive like it always has been and it always will be. So welcome to episode 54, and we've got a very special guest here, uh, Ricky Warwick, from um, the uh, Black Star Riders. Um, now, tell us, the, the reaction to the record, since it, uh, you would have had in, uh, sort of some preconceptions as to how it would be received, how, how was the reality compared? Um, you know, we, we, we knew, we believed it was a good record, and uh, we believed in the songs and believed that we'd done a good job making it, but obviously that counts for nothing until it's out there and what what you know the real world and what people think of it and um, we've been blown away um, the reaction's been phenomenal reviews were great it sold very well um, and I think we couldn't have we couldn't have asked for it and then any better reaction than we got it's been really good since it come out I mean, have you had any even inklings of second thoughts about the name change because obviously we've had in recent years Van Halen and, and sure. Black Sabbath made these spectacular comebacks and you could have easily been counted as in just another one of those, but any has it crossed your mind at all? No, not at all. I mean, I knew as soon as we did it, it felt like the right thing to do. It was almost like a weight was lifted um, off, off our shoulders, and, and certainly now in hindsight, it absolutely was the right thing to do, and I think that everybody's accepted it on, on, on both sides of the of the divide. You know, mm. the people that weren't happy with us recording under Lizzie have got what they wanted, and people who wanted us to write new material that had a Lizzie vibe and a Lizzie flavour have got that as well. Mm. So. I think it's a win-win for everybody. Mm. Has it, has, I mean, I'll, we'll move on off this subject after this question, but was it a purely a moral decision, or was there, was there a business aspect um, to it? No, it was purely moral, you know, and, and the aspect sort of as well that Brian Downey, you know, Brian had decided that he didn't want to tour as intensively as we had been, mm-hmm. and obviously the, the amount of work that a new record would involve, the promo, the touring, mm-hmm. would have been very, very full-on, which it has been. Mm-hmm. And Brian... Quite, you know, as he's got his right to do, just said, "Look, guys, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to do that at this stage mm. of my life," and it was a good, it was a chance for him to sort of jump off, and, mm. and uh, so that sort of was a deciding factor as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darren Wharton was the same thing; he just didn't want to be on the road, you know, six months out of the year. Um, so that, you know, those things all contributed to to the name change, but it just didn't feel right. The but the, you know, the bottom line was it just didn't sit right with with us. Mm. Um, and, and and that was the deciding factor, really. You know, yeah, the aspect of just starting all over again, doing these sort of interviews and playing smaller clubs. I mean, you said Brian, you know, didn't want to keep doing. What about yourself? Like, did you ever look, wake up any mornings and go, oh, why am I doing all this all over again? No, I mean, this is this is what we do. I mean, right. the, those of us who kept playing, you know, myself, Damon, Marco, and uh, and and Scotty, you know, we're road dogs, and this is what we do. This is what we love. I mean, more for us, maybe I I don't know, but we, like I said, we believe strongly. And the unit that we had with the four of us, when Jimmy DeGrasso came in, that even strengthened that even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really believe in this band, and really believe that you know we're, we're a new band with an old history, and, and uh, it's a unique situation to be in. And uh, the tour has been maybe not nine weeks; it's been a blast. We're going to play three songs, and I don't want to sort of uh, lead you in any direction. But the Kingdom of the Kingdom of the Lost video is outstanding. Um, Thank you. And can you tell us? I mean. D- did the, does the video have a life of its own? Is it about what the song is about? Or did, when, did you have that kind of vision in your mind when, when the song was being produced? Or? Well, I did, you know, the video <laughs> for that is, is, it came about, Michael Beattie, who produced the video, is a very good friend of mine from Belfast, and he's a, 
he's a great documentary maker done a lot of stuff for the BBC and, and worked with Van Morrison and stuff mm-hmm. like that and Michael heard the song and uh, I said no I'd love you to do a video for it and Michael got it straight away and he wanted to to capture the you know the it was it would have been too easy to do here's Ireland here's the moon here's the glens here's mm-hmm. the Irish pubs here's mm-hmm. Believe in Ireland we wanted to do it from the other aspect of film the whole thing in California and America film you know transplants and transients and people there and film people film the beautiful scenery film the not so beautiful scenery mm-hmm. film the people that had gone there made a success of their life like the DeLorean guy or, or anything mm-hmm. like that you know or, and then film people it, it hadn't gone well for mm-hmm. as well people that were living on the streets and stuff like that to show both sides of the coin that, that you know it's the kingdom of the lost you know sometimes you can find your <laughs> your fortune and your, or your future or sometimes it, it doesn't matter where you live it's you know the, the whole underlying thing about that song is, is, is really it's doesn't matter where you move to or what you do or anything if you're not right up there to begin with mm-hmm. doesn't matter where you live you know you've got mm-hmm. to get that right first and then I think the rest will follow and I think he portrayed that in the video should we make that the first song? sure sounds good <laughs> okay
listen to me, boys, for the story that I tell. I cross the sea from Ellen Shore, a man condemned to sail. To land of milk and honey and whiskey by the pool. They promised me a future there, a life that would not fail. Dizzy Reed. And I'm John Stevens, and we are from the Dead Daisies, and you're listening to White Line Fever. Yeah, rock and roll.
Back to the program, and we've got um, John Stevens and Dizzy Reed here from the Dead Daisies. Um, guys, we're in on a tour bus in Nottingham. I was going to start by asking you, John. Um, last four years, the odds were against you ever getting here. Um, we right from an illness, uh, you know, yeah. um, I suppose a, a joust with death, really, yeah. four years ago, and then being chased by a crocodile at the start of this tour. Um, can you just run us through that? Oh uh, yeah, well four years ago I had double heart bypass surgery after going to the doctor for a checkup. So, you know, anybody who listens to this and thinks they can get away with it and not go to the doctor, if you're feeling bad, go to the doctor. Saved my life anyway. Um, so yeah, roll forward four years and you know, a year ago we started the Dead Daisies and uh yeah, we were touring America a few months ago and prior to that I you know yeah, I was catching some mud crabs and a crop came up and frightened me. <laughs> and I, and you had and to I ran and fell over and broke my leg and broke my thumb. And you had to do, how, how long did that take to heal? Uh, I went to America with a broken leg and a broken thumb. I was in hospital for four days, went straight from hospital onto a plane to New York to start the tour. And, you know, I kind of had no excuse because my voice, voice worked fine. I was just in a wheelchair the whole time. So mm. I couldn't even be on crutches because of my thumb mm. for a <laughs> couple of months. It was pretty hairy, wasn't it, Dizzy? You know what? <clears throat> you were heroic, John, I gotta say. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. And, uh, it's just good to see him back on two feet, man. And Dizzy, can you just run us through how you got involved in this project? Um, how did I get involved? You know, I uh, Richard had told me about it, and I'd met John in the past, and I'd met Marco Mendoza, who was playing bass at the time, and um, he mentioned that he was he was he was doing a tour with them down in Australia, and I, and the first question that came out of my mouth was, do they need a keyboard player? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you know they're cats that I. I always wanted to play with or love playing with and so um, somehow my name got thrown in the mix when they came to the States and they called us and it worked out and I said yes. Is it, is it hard to um, I suppose predict your own schedule like and, and be able to clear enough space to be involved in something like this? In my situation <laughs> it's impossible um, sometimes mm. but uh, you, you know you just kind of have to, to pick and choose what's you know What's good? It's it, you know it's 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 great to be able to have opportunities like this, mm-hmm. and and I'm very thankful I can still do this, and mm. and, uh, and that you know my phone does ring, so mm. um, you know in a situation like this I'm just I'm really happy it worked out. And this stage of your career, you're in a support band, and for yourself as well. I mean, do you is that involve any swallowing of pride at all, or is mm-hmm. it or is it just challenging, or exciting? How, mm-hmm. how is it? Well, it's, a, it's a new band with a new album. It's fresh new music, mm-hmm. but we're you know we're all old veterans, or not old but veterans. And, <laughs> You know, we're all, we're all, you know, you to play gigs, it doesn't matter, we're going to play anyway. So, mm. you know, yeah, we're in a support role, but that's where we belong. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and that's that, but, you know, we'll, we'll claw our way eventually doing our own shows eventually. So, you know, <laughs> that's cool. We did our first show in London, was actually um, a sold-out show. It was our first 
solo show. Mm. Then we you know, jumped on this tour and we've been like ever since. But it's been great. You know, the people have been fantastic, great reception. Yeah, yeah. and the Black Star Riders, I mean, <coughs> it, it makes it a lot easier when everybody's cool like that. They're mm -hmm. all cats to be, but, you know, I've, I've been or played gigs with most of the guys in that band at some point and toured with them. And, mm. um, you know, Thin Lizzy opened for Guns N' Roses at one point. Mm. So it's all, you know, it's all, it makes it a lot cooler when, when everyone's cool. This is the product of the music you wrote with David, is that yeah. right? And, and, and that's where it, it all started. So yeah. did, you, did you anticipate getting together this sort of all-star lineup? Or w no. When you first wrote these songs, or what did you, no. how did you think it was going to play itself out? No, no, you take each day as it comes. And uh, when we were asked to do the ZZ Top shows and the Aerosmith tour in Australia and New Zealand, it was really a case of putting a band together and, and making some phone calls. And mm. you know, Charlie Drake was the first person to call you. We are old dear friends. And, and Charlie bought in Richard, and Richard bought in Dizzy, and uh, Marco came in as well by mm. by the Museo Mates network. And when Marco couldn't do it, um, you know, uh, Daryl became available, and so it's really just people, you know, like-minded musicians, and you know, knowing who's who in the zoo, and going, yeah, I want to play with that cat. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm digging digging the music and digging the vibe, and it's, you know, it's really that kind of, it's really that simple. I told you guys before we started that uh, every <coughs> five minutes or so we play a song, so. Uh, if you could uh, introduce a song and give us a bit of a story behind it. Any action can be any song in the history of recorded music. If I can find it on MP3, you can request oh. it. <laughs> Thanks for narrowing it down. <laughs> <laughs> I think should play a Dead Daisy's track. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. That's what we're here for. Pick us a song and tell us a story behind it. Well, I can pick the song, but I don't know the story. I'll tell the story. <laughs> okay. so I'm, I'm going to pick Washington. Okay. Oh, well, Washington's uh, uh, it's a bit of a groove song and uh, kind of... Uh, you know, about my girl, really, being mm. away, coming home to cop, a, to cop it.
everybody, this is Tony Harnell from TNT, and you're listening to White Line Fever. to the program we are in New York City and our next guest is Tony Hunnell and until recently we said formerly of TNT but now we can just say of TNT now for the listeners um, some of whom will be in Australia enjoying a sweltering summer can you describe Tony how cold it is here well let's see I'm not sure in Australia if uh, you, you use Celsius or Fahrenheit which one is it uh, Celsius yeah so I think this morning I looked I switched over uh, to check it out and it's minus 12 this morning so that's how cold it is. And it's freaky. Um, and it's windy <laughs> on top of it. Very windy. It is. And the city's almost closed down, but uh, Tony's coming to, uh, into Manhattan from his home in, uh, in Brooklyn, and he's having a chat to us. Now, we'll start with really basic stuff. Uh, you're back in TNT. Can you just run through the story of how that happened? Uh, you know, I mean, it was a process. Um, I was gone for, I guess, seven years, and... Uh, went through all the different emotions that one would go through from the time I left all the way through the middle of that and then, you know, 
coming back again. It was a long time to make the decision to come back. I think actually it took me about a year to a year and a half from the time that there were discussions were starting about it. Um, but I think ultimately uh, there, there were many reasons that led me to decide to give it another shot and um, and, and I'm, at this point I'm happy that I did and I think you know probably number one reason was for the fans and and then uh, I would say this the number two reason without getting into all of the reasons uh, would be um, something I said to you earlier which was that I think that a lot of artists um, are, are lucky if they have a brand that's uh, valuable and I think that uh, the TNT brand is a valuable brand and it's something that I, I think it, it helps me as a musician to be able to use it so this and, time, and, you know so anyway that's it <laughs> sorry now this time last year I was here and we saw the debut performance of Wildflowers with Bumblefoot what's happened to that project does that continue oh you were at that show it was yeah um, it, it sort of continues um, we uh, it's kind of going to tweak a little bit to the point where Bumblefoot and I will sometimes go out together alone, like we're going to on the uh, Prognation cruise with Mike, Port, uh, Mike Portnoy's um, project that he does. Uh, and then there will be times where I go out with, um, you know, different acoustic um, uh, combinations. So I have um, also Andre Virus. Uh, he goes by the Virus. Um, he's an amazing guitar player. Plays on the Rock of Ages show in, on Broadway. He was, he's also in a band called Dope and Device. Uh, amazing amazingly talented guy um, and then there may be other times where we sort of put you know part of the whole group back together for certain performances but uh, yeah so it's kind of taken on a different life but the record is, is uh, I'm super proud of what we did with it and um, the pledge campaign was really successful so the, the previous singer in in, uh, in TNT Tony Mills he said a few things about how um, it's a nostalgia act and how there was no point in doing any new music and I mean, what, what do you? And, and also, I suppose when you when you do get back together with them, the set list will be will it be just from your period in the band? Or have you, has that been discussed? And what do you think about the idea of recording new music with them? Well, you asked me a couple of different questions. <laughs> yeah. First of all, I, I did respond to um, to his comments online. I don't know if you noticed that what I said or not, but I've been a huge supporter of his. Um, I actually recommended him for the job when I left. Uh, you know, I think um, when he was catching a lot of flack in the beginning, I uh, went online and supported him very strongly. And towards the uh, towards the end, at various points, when when people would sort of you know uh, do the old you know, where's Tony Harnell and you know we don't like these records and so forth. I didn't really listen to any of the albums that they've done with him, but I felt the need to just you know kind of say, hey guys, you know you know give the guys some support, whatever. And then when, when he came out with that, I just kind of felt like it was a, a slap in the face to the longtime TNT fans who accepted him so uh, warmly while he was basically singing mostly my material. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, um, um, you know, if, if he wasn't able to make, you know, put his stamp on the band, um, then I guess there wasn't the right chemistry between him, him and Ronnie. And, and that's really what it has to be. It has to be a chemistry between Ronnie and the singer. Because Ronnie's the creative force in the band when I'm not there. When we're together, it really does become a unit. And uh, I guess that just never happened with the two of them. But I really came to the defense of the fans at that point and said, hey, you know, uh, you're talking about people who have great memories based around these songs. 
and they love the band, and uh, they love the old songs, and they love a lot of the music. And so to go on and say, you know, it's just a nostalgia act, and I don't want to go on playing old songs for old fans anymore, that's just like, to me, it's like a career mistake 101, like in the book of, you know, what you do and don't do. You just, you never, you know, diss the fans. And uh, so I had to I had to jump on that one after all the all the times of supporting him 100% of the time in that particular incident uh, in, instance I had to um, to back to go with the side of my fans and then you said to me uh, you asked just about just about um, set list when you're back in oh the right yeah. well I mean it's going to be I mean we're celebrating the um, you know 25th anniversary of the Intuition album mm-hmm. so I mean we're going to do sort of a, a section in the middle of the set mm-hmm. where we where we have uh, you know uh, kind of a little surprise and we, we play um, a, a large amount of songs from the Intuition album but I think that we'll probably break it up something like this the beginning part of the set will probably be more recent material I did right before I left the band and then we'll do uh, Intuition songs and then we'll finish with all like the classics everybody loves you know so of course it's going to be we're, we're only going to do my songs okay. Tony we're going to continue chatting after this for a print article but this is the end of the recorded part of the interview thanks for talking to us and uh, as I warned you you get to pick a song, any song in the history of recorded music, if you like. Oh my god! But uh, any anything you like, and uh, and uh, and and maybe a little story behind it, or what it means to you. Any song, by any band. Uh, you know, wow, I hadn't thought this through very well. <laughs> That's too bad. Um, uh, well, uh, you know. It could be so many songs, I think, um, and you want to know why I'm picking it, is that yeah. right? Yeah, and it could be one of yours as well, if you like no, it, it could be TNT. I would never do that. Okay. Um, I think that I, you know, I, my temptation is to pick something by the Beatles, but I, I think that since probably, is this a hard rock-based mm-hmm. show? Mm-hmm. I think I'll go with, um, I think I'll go with Cashmere by Led Zeppelin. And I think my reason behind that is I just think that, you know, of all the bands that I admire and I love, when I think about you know hard rock and I think about what really makes a band click, that band to me is is the epitome of the perfect hard rock band. They created so many different things that all the bands after that emulated, and um, I just think that we wouldn't have the music. We I don't think we'd have a lot of bands. I don't even think we'd have Aerosmith if it wasn't for Led Zeppelin. So uh, there's a lot of bands that came right after Zeppelin and then many years after that would not exist were it not for Zeppelin. And I think that song in particular is is epic. Mm-hmm. It's just an epic, beautiful, huge, incredibly grooving song that showcases everything that's great about the band.
Uh. I got a white line fever. Going around land down under. Going to turn around the corner way down yonder. <laughs> and I'm not even going to try to rhyme anymore. <laughs> Michael Monroe here for White Line Fever. You get a chance, come and check us out live. We're going to rock your socks off and whatever. Rock like fuck. That's what I say. Okay, <laughs> come on down and rock on.